The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back. The NBA is almost here. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds for their upcoming games. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. fans welcome to another episode of the bird calls podcast i'm your host and contributor to the birdrights.com and bleacher report preston ellis today we are going in on the portland trailblazers y'all might remember them to help we have editor-in-chief to the birdrights.com mr ali kosell what's up man not a whole lot i'm excited for today's pod because you know i, I met danny a while back and we, we really haven't seen each other as far as i can remember for like four years now but it's good to have him on the podcast today <laughs> do you remember where you met him Summer League. Yeah, Summer League. Las Vegas. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. Our special guest, Danny Morang of NBC Northwest and Blazers Edge. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Even of if, course. Even if it, is, it is to, to talk about some, some Blazers v. Pelicans. So, Ali and I have an advantage right now. It's kind of a, a two-on-one Hell in a Cell cage match that's that's about to transpire. I'll ask you a question, then Ali will go back and forth. Before we uh, we drop the gloves, so to speak, uh, I just want to get a feel for how things are in the Pacific Northwest. We've talked a lot about the, the general vibe in New Orleans right now. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm in Orlando. How are things up in the Northwest? Well, I mean, first of all, you said 2v1, so it's like Damian Lillard in a press in a playoff series. So that, <laughs> that sounds a little familiar. Um, it's... <laughs> It's going okay up here. It's it's a little bit weird. Um, particularly recently, you've got Carmelo Anthony saying he's not 100% sure about things. Uh, yesterday, the original founding owner of the Trailblazers, Harry Glickham, passed away. Um, obviously, you've got Damian Lillard, who's very active uh, with the protest, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement that's kind of pushing all over the country right now. There's just a lot of things going on. I think where basketball itself is pretty secondary. Uh, but there are still plenty of folks who are just itching and dying just to get some semblance of normalcy back in their life and and, and get back with the, with the NBA season. All right. I'm going to uh, go back. Sorry, it's going to be a one-on-two. I'm just going to go ahead and host because Ali is so unprofessional and he didn't prepare anything. <laughs> I'm just teasing him, of course. But Ali, uh, of course, you saw this tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski last night. Uh, some of the players are a little bit tepid about joining this Disney bubble right as we're crossing the finish line. A couple of players <laughs> might be pulling out. 
and he just mentioned Carmelo Anthony. Of course, there's a lot of guys who are heavily involved in the protest right now. Are you concerned that some critical players to to playoff runs like the Portland Trailblazers, Carmelo Anthony, perhaps a Saints or sorry, Saints player? What is going on tonight? <laughs> a Pelicans player is gonna is gonna pull out at the last second and not join their team in Walt Disney World. I really don't think so. Um, I haven't gotten that vibe that it's something where it's threatening the resumption of play. Um, It it just sounds more like most of the players that uh, have spoken up, especially through the league office and the union is uh, just concerns. And, you know, I mean, if, if, if you're honest, Preston, look at how realistic there are uh, the playoff chances for some of these teams, right? So you have to think that maybe there's some on the Suns, the Wizards, you know, players that really don't foresee themselves getting the playoffs, then suddenly needing to ramp up activity, go play games, and be separated from family, friends, you name it, for at least what sounds like seven weeks by the time they go to the bubble, quarantine, and then by the time families are allowed in. But in, in those cases, a lot of those players are already be gone anyway. So it, it, it's just, you know, I think we just need back sit back and wait and see what's actually going to transpire. But no, I'm not foreseeing anything really halting play, something coming up as big as, you know, rising to the occasion to offset what, you know, the NBA has worked hard to get back on track and resume the season. Yeah, so let's go ahead and dive right on into the main course, just expecting that everybody's going to be available. Uh, Danny, Dame Lillard has has been uh, outright, he's been very um, outspoken about mm-hmm. the fact that he really wants to play meaningful games, and he had a quote yesterday saying that he does think they have a viable chance if they do earn that eighth seed against the Los Angeles Lakers. Before we get into all that, of course, there's going to be a tough road to get that eighth seed. You've got Memphis, which is likely locked in the eighth position for the play-in tournament. Maybe mm-hmm. they slip back to ninth. But who do you see as the real threat for the Portland Trailblazers to get to the playoffs? Are you eyeballing Memphis or are you more concerned about New Orleans? I mean, you got to look at who's in front of you first. That's how you take care of business. You can't worry about who's coming up behind you. It's the same way the Grizzlies have to treat it. They, it's, it's their spot right now, and they just take care of business. And, you know, they're going to have the chance to kind of take care of things. And Portland has to view things the same way. Uh, I, I know that there was some concern about how the schedule was going to play out versus a 20-team playoff versus a 22-team playoff. Because I believe Portland was of the belief that if it went 20 teams, they would get Memphis twice like they would they would have had the season had a full 82-game schedule. And now that becomes New Orleans, uh, from what we understand, at least of how the schedule is going to play out. And so that does maybe make them view New Orleans a little bit differently because they can get two in hand uh, against a team in front of Portland. But it's I, I think Portland is looking at this. And, I mean, at this point – you. I'm done questioning Damian Lillard or whether or not he believes in something or not, because the dude, every time you, you stack chips on his shoulder, he delivers. Uh, so it, it's just, it's this weird kind of feeling of like, well, let's just kind of get there and see what happens. That's, that's, that's basically been the Damian Lillard trailblazers, the, 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 his entire tenure in Portland. Now, Ali, unfortunately, the Pelicans don't have the benefit of the tiebreaker, even though they beat uh, Portland in all four instances this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a little unfortunate. But Pelicans fans might not remember that Portland was shorthanded for all four of those matchups. And there there might be a realistic possibility that they bring back Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins uh, in time for this play. Uh, I'll swing this over to Danny in a moment. But before we get to that, Ali, how does that change things from a Pelicans perspective? I think that's enormous. I mean, we caught, you're right, Portland at a good time, several good times, because I remember even Dame or CJ at least going through some injuries themselves. And Dame, I think, even missed a game, right? So the Pelicans were very fortunate. But again, you know, I feel like they are just, 
a better matchup. I don't want to take anything away, but the Pelicans, you know, have struggled with their own injuries. I mean, Zion didn't play for the first three minutes or three minutes, three months of the season. And of course there was other key contributors out missing Derek favors led to uh, the Pelicans getting up to a seven and 23 start. If anybody can recall. So, you know, it's just what happens over the course of a season. But I will say that, yeah, Portland having Yosef Nurkic back, you know, he's a much better all-around starting center than Hassan Whiteside. Having Zach Collins off the bench, big weapon. So you add those two guys to what Portland already has, and Damian doesn't need much. We've seen year after year, Danny will be the first to attest what this guy can do in big moments. So it's going to be tough. I think they're going to be the team to beat for New Orleans. I mean, of course, Grizzlies stand ahead three and a half games of both teams, but Portland is the one that I'm eyeing that the Pelicans really have to be concerned about because they got to finish with a, one more win than the Trailblazers in order to stay ahead of them in, in case they, you know, it's for a plan, right? To grab a nine seed or something like that. Yeah, so let's go ahead and swing this over to Danny and let's talk about it. Because even though these guys might be healthy, it's a tall ass to just throw these guys into the most critical minutes of the season. There's eight games. They, they're they not going to be in shape. None of the players are, but specifically Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic haven't been playing in full-on scrimmages, much less any games in a long, long time. So even if they are healthy, what are you expecting their workload to be? To be honest, Nurk's going to probably be one of the in the best shape guys coming in, hands down. He has been going at it. And Nurk, Nurk is 100% playing. That that's that we already know. He's he's playing. Uh, he was supposed to debut uh, the Sunday uh, after the league shut down. He was going to play the afternoon game against the Rockets on national TV. Uh, I know from just the whispers around the, the organization, he was really ready to go in February. There was a video that came out of him pregame in Denver when they were on the road of him running stairs. You're seven foot, 300 pounds. You're not running stairs at altitude pregame unless you're ready to go. Um, Collins, we expect to get uh, a clearance note on of him being 100%. His is was a shoulder injury, and it is non-shooting shoulder. So the, the only thing I think it, that he has to get over is the fear of re-injury. From what we know, he was supposed to be due back about April. Uh, he, the original timeline was March, early March, but it looked like they were closer to to April, and that kind of leaked out a little while ago so you fast forward now another 60 days you know probably closer to 90 days when it's all said and done he should be 100 percent ready to go the questions that i've heard from a lot of people locally as far as fan wise go who starts who finishes who gets the most minutes and that's going to be an interesting ordeal for portland because uh, son whitehead's a free agent they have to make a decision there the salary cap is already going to go sideways and portland's in salary cap hell um, so they need to make a lot of decisions and they need to make sure that they're taking care of things the way they need to take care of them, so to speak, off the floor, which means maybe perhaps keeping Hassan Whiteside happy. The flip side of that is Yusuf Nurkic, it, it made no bones about it. He wasn't thrilled about the fact that Portland brought in Hassan Whiteside in the first place because he kind of went through a similar ordeal in, in Denver with uh, Jokic. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how it plays out. Personally, I still think they're going to start Yusuf Nurkic. I think they want to put him in a position that he's familiar with, which is warming up, getting ready to go, going through introductions, getting out on the floor with Damian Lillard, with CJ McCollum. He's their best screen setter. He's their best defender. He's he's the hub of the team uh, defensively. Offensively, he does things that Yusuf Nurk or that Hassan Whiteside doesn't do. He doesn't have the relationship that they, with Damian Lillard that Hassan does. Uh, the interesting one, I think, will be who starts, who doesn't, who gets minutes between Zach Collins and, and Carmelo Anthony. 
the idea is that the reason Carmelo signed in Portland was basically he was guaranteed all the minutes he could handle. He ended up playing damn near 37 minutes a night for Portland. Uh, with Zach Collins being kind of the future of that position as far as Portland's projecting, kind of hard to just sit him down there and guarantee those same minutes to Carmelo Anthony, which is kind of why it's not surprising maybe to hear Carmelo Anthony not entirely committed to returning quite yet. When he's talking about things being 100%, I don't think he's necessarily talking about just what's going on in Orlando. It's the situation in Portland and how many minutes he may or may not play, what his role may or may not be. And I think that's the case, honestly, with a lot of players around the league who, who may not be uh, on the fringe of coming back, like what, what their role is, how many minutes they're going to get, how important is it going to be. That, and from what I've been able to understand, is that there are a lot of players around the league who want less restrictions on travel and who comes and who goes and who's in the bubble. So uh, it's a really interesting situation as far as it kind of all comes together and the way Portland is positioned, they have a ton of questions they have to answer uh, and only eight games to really kind of address them. Danny, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was my first instinct as well. Hearing uh, Carmelo Anthony's comments was mm-hmm. maybe it's not the coronavirus, but it could be with all these players coming back. So you, you went basically right into what I wanted to ask you, but Let me ask you this to expand on this. Do you think there's any other players or do you have a sense of how basically the Trailblazers as a team feel about going to Orlando? I mean, we've of course heard, you know, several weeks back, Damian said he wasn't going to basically play if there was nothing, if there was no legitimate shot to make the playoffs. He said he would of course supported the team, but when it would have come time to suit up and play those games, he said he didn't want no part of them. Do you get a sense that there's anybody else that may be, you know, on the fence, kind of like Carmelo in regards to that play in Orlando? So with the, the, the Damian quote to Chris Haynes, that entire thing was about leverage. That was Damian Lillard recognizing how much power he has now in the league as like a top five, top seven player and how he's viewed around the league and, and, and the weight that he kind of carries. And mm-hmm. he is about as good as there is. I mean, it's him and LeBron James as far as controlling the media and getting a message out the exact way they want to get it out. And I was kind of surprised that some people thought that Dame was saying, I'm not going to play. Obviously there was that blow up with Dan Orlovsky and how he kind of went with a drive-by uh, and called Dame, was it uh, selfish entitled brat or something along those lines. It was yeah. hilarious once you know uh-huh. Damian Lillard at any level. But it was never about Dame not playing. It was him putting the onus on the ownership group and Adam Silver and basically saying, if you want me and the other stars to show up who are on that fringe, you know, Zion, Dame, you know, those guys, you have to make it where there's a real chance for us to get in. Not so we're just getting in there to get games to make sure we get paychecks. Because if we're just doing that, there's no reason for me to be out there. And I, I kind of respect that that growth from him as far as understanding what needs to be done as far as being competitive. The flip side of that, as far as other players, the only other guy that I've heard from uh, or heard about uh as it pertains to the Blazers, and then C.J. McCollum. Even before the league was shut down, he went out on Twitter and, and said, don't try to high-five me, don't try to ask me for autographs, don't nothing, I'm not doing anything. Like, his was entirely motivated by COVID. There's a clip of him uh, going into the tunnel at the end of the game. I think it was like three games before the, the season was canceled, and a fan went to high-five him, and C.J. kind of looked at him like, nah, fam, not happening. And the, you could read the kid's lips as he goes back to his dad. He's like, what was that all about? Um, so CJ is very much being uh, cautious as it pertains to COVID. But the flip side of that is he's also sent, he's also uh, one of the vice presidents for the MBPA. He has gone on record and asked the league for players to be able to begin resuming contact activities sooner rather than later, which is kind of counterintuitive to exposure, so to speak. 
but mm-hmm. to prevent injuries. So I think for the most part, Portland is all in. I know uh, Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic, they are 100% all in. Those guys want to play. Nurk has been, Nurk's been out for a year. He wants to get out there and ball. Zach, you have to pry his body off the floor right now. He's, he's a young kid who wants to get out there and play. Damian Lillard, he, he lives for this kind of stuff. I've talked to a few of the young guys, Gary Trent Jr., Anthony Simons. They, they're they ready to go. They, they, they want to get back out there. So I think the prevailing thought among the team, with the exception of maybe Carmelo Anthony, and it may, it may be for reasons outside of COVID, uh, I, I don't think any of them are hesitating to get back out there and play. All right, so let's get to the games that they will be playing. Uh, we can guess, uh, just based on what you guys had left on your schedule, uh, there are 10 possible games or 10 teams that will be at Walt Disney World that you guys can potentially still play. Of course, you'll only mm-hmm. play eight of those games. Uh, we've got Memphis twice. We've got Houston, Dallas, Boston, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Utah, uh, Denver and the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, I'm sure you've taken a look at the schedule. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. broke it down. Uh, as someone who covers the Blazers, how does this schedule strike you? Tough in one sense, but fair in, in the idea that this is the way that they can get things done. This is this is, presents them a chance, obviously, against Memphis and New Orleans to, to hold one team off and gain ground on another. The flip side of this is there may be some teams in there, Boston, Brooklyn, Los Angeles that may or may not be really fighting for a seating position and they may opt to do things a little bit differently. They may play some younger guys to try to get some rest because there are going to be back-to-backs there. This is going Mm -hmm. to be a compressed schedule while travel is not a factor. You're talking about guys, even with a training camp, they're not going to be in mid season NBA ready shape, no matter how good a shape these guys in. I don't care about Nikola Jokic out here running wind sprints up the, the, the Serbian mountains, Bosnian mountains, wherever he was at. And losing 30, 40 pounds. He's still seven foot tall. He's still 250 pounds. He's still running up and down the floor after not doing it for three, four months. Same thing's going to be true for the Portland Trailblazers. If anything, I look at a team like Memphis, whose average age is like, what, 21? That's the team that legitimately is like, that. that's the team that, that scares me. Because they can just get out there. They're young-legged. They're young-legged still. You look at the Lakers, they got, what, 35, 36-year-old dudes up and down the roster? Uh, that's that's a problem for them. So they may look to just kind of ramp up things like we typically see from teams that are locked into seating positions at the end of a regular, you know, regular season. So I think as far as the schedule plays out, it may favor Portland on the back end of those four games. All right, just conjecturing here just to have a little bit of fun, Ollie. Obviously, our schedules are, are kind of fixed in that uh, Vincent Goodwill reported that that the NBA wants you to play who's in front of you on your schedule. They want to get to as close uh, to adhere to the schedule as it, as it was fixated before the season ended. However, with that being said... It would be enter- it would be a lot more entertaining to see the Pelicans face off with the Portland Trailblazers uh, instead of like the Philadelphia 76ers, let's say. Uh, if if the choice was yours, would you tinker with the schedule a little bit to make sure that these teams that that are directly competing with each other for the ninth seed have to actually play each other? I think I would, to be honest with you. I'm not sure then how that would, you know, if you're removing a team that they should play, then figuring out who they're then supposed to play. But yeah, just from a fan perspective and then wanting to give, I, I feel like you need to give all these teams not the fairest chance because the Grizzlies deserve the lead, but they've already kind of got that, right? They've got the three-and-a-half game lead. If they just do, you know, take care of the minimal stuff, right? Maybe just win three games, you got to think they've got the eighth seed locked up. So it, it really comes down to the rest of the teams, which are just really neck and neck. So, yeah, I would love to see New Orleans get an opportunity to play Portland again simply for the fact that, Hey, they're legitimately kind of a half game ahead, right? I just said New Orleans has to win another game because 
Portland played more games this year. So by win percentage, they're slightly ahead of New Orleans. So just from my perspective, I would love to see it. But again, I think all fans would love to see it, right? Who would want to see Damian Lillard going up against Zion Williamson in in a must-win game to hopefully get in a play-in tournament? All right, Dan, I'm going to go back to you. Uh, let's say that Portland, and we did have this quote from Damien that I discussed earlier. Let's say that Portland does uh, sneak past the Memphis Grizzlies and get into that eighth spot. Uh, this all could potentially be much ado about nothing if whoever lands in that spot can't take a game from the Los Angeles Lakers. How confident are you that the Portland uh, Trailblazers could make it a series? I know LeBron James is confident Portland can make it a series. He, he's, he's said as much as far as who he wants to play the least. I mean... And this isn't a shot at Drew or any of those guys. Damian Lillard has taken over in one series single-handedly. That's that's just what he's done. I love Drew. I, I I'd love to have him in Portland. He's been one of my favorite, you know, lesser spoke about players uh, since he came in the league. The first thing I ever wrote for Blazers Edge was about Damian Lillard as a rookie going up against then Philadelphia 76er guard Drew Holiday. Uh, and how if he turned into a Drew Holiday-type guard, he would be uh, an excellent draft pick. Um, so the, the, the whole idea of how this this kind of thing plays out, the, the, the head-to-head action of it, I mean, I don't think you could ask for anything better than having Portland, New Orleans, and Memphis have to fight it out between Jaw, between Zion and Drew. I should, I should say John Jaron and da- Damon CJ, and you throw in Nurkic. I don't think you're going to get better brands of basketball and more contrasting styles than those groups. I think you, you've got the next gen grit and grind with John Jaron. I think you've got some high flying mismatch hell from uh, Drew and, and Zion and not to mention BI. And then you've got kind of like what's kind of weird to say it, the veteran backcourt of Damian CJ having learned through the years, how to handle some of the stuff these, these defenses throw at those two. Let me ask you this, both of you guys, because I'm curious, because we've just been talking about three teams here. Are we not giving enough respect to the Kings? I mean, after all, they're they have the yes. exact same record as the Pelicans right now. And, you know, they, they were playing pretty decent basketball right before the shutdown. And they've got one of the most explosive guards in the league, mm-hmm. right? Darren Fox. And then when when their shooters are on, Buddy Heald, uh, oh, Bogdanovich and several others, they're a tough team to beat. So are, are we giving them enough respect, Danny and uh, Preston? You go first, Danny. No, we're not. Uh, and that's because they haven't done it before, and they're the Kings. They're the Kangs for a reason. Kangs with a Z. Uh, they, they Kang it up, and they, they haven't proven anything. And I know people will say, well, neither have the Grizzlies. I'd say they had the pedigree for it. Their organizational structure has been there for significantly longer. They've been much more effective. Uh, and I, I look at John, and I see a lot of Damian Lillard in him. I see a, a young dude who he wills his team to victory. It doesn't matter what the box score is. He just wins. The Kings really haven't shown that, that capacity. However, they were probably playing the best basketball of the bottom four teams that are, we're talking about here going into that break. They were playing phenomenal basketball. De'Aaron was just unstoppable. Uh, Bogdanovich and and Buddy were, were balling out. I still have a ton of questions about their front court, how effective and how healthy can Bagley be and, and how much can they really impact a game uh, night in, night out. But certainly they're a team that, again, with a bunch of younger dudes, they can get out and, and, and run you into the dirt if they actually, you know, use that. that. That was kind of the problem coming into the season or the first, you know, two-thirds of the season. They didn't really get out and run. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back. The NBA is almost here. 
But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds for their upcoming games. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Yeah, Darren Fox is the only player in the NBA uh, with over 20 points, six and a half assists, and four rebounds who did not make the NBA All Star game. But I think it's a fair point. Uh, the Kings are simply put, like in a position where they're going to have to prove it to us. Uh, they they just haven't lived up to expectations. Uh, Buddy Heald has been underwhelming. I can't remember his numbers in January, but they were downright atrocious before he got benched in favor of Bogdan Bogdanovich. So uh, they've got a lot to prove, but you're correct in that they won seven of their last 10 games. So they were arguably hotter than any other team in our discussion right now and maybe we'll have to have a friend from the kings onto the podcast to, to ask the question are the kings getting enough credit because lord knows we don't uh, have much else to talk about uh, <laughs> but just going uh back to danny uh, obviously there's still a lot of uncertainty uh surrounding everything from the pandemic to uh the riots and peaceful protests that are taking place at the end of all of this regardless of of who emerges first of all do you think there's the possibility that some wild dark horse could just usurp everybody and run their way, their unlikely path to the title? But regardless of who does, is there going to be an asterisk uh, associated with this title? I don't think so. As much as it may be weird to say that, I mean, there's no asterisk attached to the the Spurs coming back off a of strike year and winning their first with uh, with Duncan and Robinson and, and that group in the Twin Towers. I mean, no, everybody just kind of glosses over that. Like, that that didn't happen. It was, what, a 54-game regular season, 55? Uh, I think it was exactly 50. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. But we're, we're significantly less games that we're talking about right now. Right. So, I mean, and there's no asterisk on that. That's, that's, that's one of the five that we talk about for the Spurs. Uh, I, I think the only way you get an asterisk here is if you're somebody who just vehemently hates LeBron James and the Laker win. The Lakers win. I think that's the only way. If Giannis goes out there and gets a ring, which I hope he does because I bet a significant amount of money that he would before the season started, um, then he should get it. And that's, we, we, we recognize that. They were the number one team coming through. If the Clippers come through and do it because now they're all healthy and they're all rested, they should get it and, and just go without the asterisk. I just, as weird as it is and, and wild this season is, is going to be, it's still going to be, what, 60 plus games which is more than the strike shortened year. And it's still going to be seven, seven, seven uh, as far as the series goes. And there's still going to be 16 teams on each side. So uh, on that part of it, I don't think there's going to be asterisks. And as far as like uh, a dark horse team, sure. There's going to be a team, but I don't think basketball is like uh, major league baseball or hockey in the sense where you can get a hot player and carry yourself. The NHL, you can get a goalie. Uh, Jason quick stood on his head for the LA Kings for their first title run. It was one of the most obscene goalie displays we've ever seen. Um, and the Kings get their, you know, their, their Stanley cup, the NBA, it, the war of attrition that, that takes place in a seven game series, you may get an upset round. And we all have the Warriors and the Mavericks and, and, and the miracle warriors, but over series after series, it never, it never happens. You don't get the miracle on ice happening in the NBA because of how, much teams depend on one singular player up and down the roster and, and how that goes down. Now, will somebody or could somebody get injured and another team slides in that otherwise wouldn't have? Sure. But as far as a magical run outside of a round or two, I just I can't I can't buy into that. 
All right, we've got a couple of questions uh, from our listeners, and I'll start with Ali. They're, they're similar questions, so the first one will go to Ali, and then I'll go over to Danny. The first one is from Trevor Steamer. Uh, basically, his question is, what are your thoughts on a Drew Holiday for C.J. McCollum trade? Rip City Project uh, uh, posted it on their site. Uh, I'm not sure when, but uh, Drew Holiday makes a natural fit next to Damian Lillard because he's that dogged two-way defender, but he can also create uh, and supplement the offense with uh, Dame. I think you can arguably say he's a better fit next to Dame than C.J. McCollum is uh with with that in mind uh this this swap does it make sense to you ollie no but it's an interesting question because it's something that i know within new orleans uh fan base it's been talked about for at least two three years um and at the time it made a lot of sense for or more sense for new orleans to chase after because drew holly wasn't really the floor spreading guard that i feel like you needed alongside anthony davis now that's all changed, and especially this year with the displays we saw, of course, from Lonzo and Brandon Ingram, who have shown they can drill the three-point shot. So actually, Drew Holiday's now best asset, his defense, is I, I feel like it's just a more important cog on this currently constructed Pelicans team than you know anything McCollum could offer. That New Orleans doesn't need scoring anymore. They don't need a dominant score. Really, any which way you want to look at CJ, they just don't need anymore because they've got Zion, they've got Bi. Lonzo, we don't know what he's going to become yet, but he's going to be that perfect facilitator. So guys like Drew just make more sense. So, no, I don't think he'll be entertained there by going any further. Okay, we've got a question from Garrett Olmeyer who had some nice stuff uh, to say. Just a reminder to you guys, uh, we are sponsoring scholarships to young African-Americans under 21 years old who are in a creative field. Uh, we've gotten some donations from Music is My Refuge, our Anders 36, Andrew Juge, myself, Ralph Malbro. We should have four $500 scholarships uh, to donate. Uh, if you would like to apply for it, just send us in uh, a, a piece of artistic work to scholarship at allamericans.com. His question is as follow, Danny. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, it's a question about Bradley Beal. Uh, obviously, the Pelicans have been interested in the past. Uh, a swap for him and C.J. McCollum makes sense in some respects. Just mm-hmm. talk about what his value is around the league, and should teams like the Blazers and Pelicans be chasing him? Beal is the real deal. I, mean, I know how corny that sounds, and, and I'm, I want to roll it back on, on the Drew part of this too. I've wanted to get Drew in Portland for ever basically and i've tried to trade cj away since uh he kind of had his emergence against memphis in the 2014 playoffs and it's not because i don't like cj it's because i never liked the idea of pairing a 6-1 guard with a 6-3 guard that was mm-hmm. always my proclivity as, as it pertains to him and here's the crazy thing when damian lillard has been out and cj has been forced to the point guard position which to me is actually his natural position cj's numbers are absurd in 29 games that's that's the number of games damian lillard has missed um throughout his entire time with CJ McCollum, which is kind of insane when you think about it, which is like, what, four games a year? Uh, CJ has played 37 minutes, averaged 28 points, six assists, and five rebounds, shooting uh, 47, 40, 82. Wow. So you want, to talk, you want to talk about a guy who absolutely takes over as not only a scorer, but a true dyed-in-the-wool facilitator. That's the, the, the trade that I always wanted to make uh, for – probably four or five years was for Oladipo to kind of fill that same role at the Drew would in Portland. Drew was on that list. And so was Chris Middleton. Middleton was the guy that I thought if you put CJ in Milwaukee with the bucks and Giannis and use him as that primary creator, secondary creator alongside Giannis, that would give them an unbelievable and uncanny ability to attack defenses. And Middleton would fill that that wing role that Portland's needed for years, the same way that I think Drew would, in the same way I think uh, Bradley Beal would in Portland. 
we've seen Beal operate as a facilitator. You want to talk about his value. His value is through the roof. Now, the Wizards are rightfully shutting down any and all askers because he has shown without John Wall that he's not just a, a play ender. He is a play creator. His numbers as a primary initiator were, were through the roof. And I, I know a lot of people think of him and CJ in this kind of the same mold. But I think, honestly, both those guys are better as the James Harden type primary creators. And I think th they're, they're better served working as those guys, uh, both for themselves and for their teams. Uh, Beal, when you take a look at him compared to McCollum, he's bigger, he's stronger. Not quite the crazy handle that CJ has. I mean, CJ's probably top five in the league, top three, depending on who you how you want to slice it up as far as creative balance. It's usually him, Steph, Kyrie, uh, in that kind of group. Um, so that is, is a really underrated factor, that and the fact that he's an absolute murderer from the mid-range. I mean, it's every year it's between kind of him and KD is the best mid-range shooters in the league. So it depends on what you value, how you want to structure your team. Um, but as far as fit goes, I, I honestly think that it would behoove it seem like New Orleans to have a guy like that as an initiator and as good as B.I. is. And I was not a guy who bought into him early on. I thought he would be a solid player. I did not think he would turn into this i think the creation side of things are still a little bit limited and i think if you put him next to a guy like cj Ward, maybe you give up a little bit of defense um in a plate in replacing uh, a guy like drew you have so much length and athleticism and dynamic playmaking from the other positions that it's it's like a, it, you could afford to the same way portland could afford to lose cj's creativity in order to get a little bit more size, to get a little bit uh, more staunch in the backcourt. And I think there's so many of these trades where you can move these near all-star, star-type second options around the league a little bit, and there would be so many teams that would be better off for it. Like, there's there's so many imperfect teams right now that are very good, but I think if you were kind of like musical chairs with a couple of these guys and just flopped them all around – you would just elevate all of those teams, which is kind of crazy to say because usually in any kind of deal, no matter how you look at it, there's a winner and a loser. I think if you were to be able to do that magically and just kind of move like three or four guys around, you could literally lift the the, the, the seas for all boats in that sense. It's kind of strange. Sounds like we should put the fans uh, in charge of front offices for just <laughs> one summer and see what happens. Uh, we've got one more question I'll ask you both, and then we'll get out of here. Ali, this is from Daniel Harris. Uh, it's it's interesting because we talk about um, you know the guys who are going to come out well-rested and play really well uh, following this layoff, but there were a lot of guys who were already playing really well, and you could argue that it was to their detriment that the season ended when it did because they were just rounding into form playing their best basketball. Who to you, Ali, was playing their best basketball, was just rounding into form, and may potentially take a step back once games resume? I think it's no doubt Lonzo Ball. I mean, he has struggled to put the loop at an efficient rate. And then suddenly he got his legs towards the end of December, and then we saw a progression to where the aggressiveness went up, the uh, markmanship went up, and, and just his confidence level. To where in March, I want to say he, he was averaging something around 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. And, you know, for the better part of two months, it was like 14, seven and seven. And of course, it, that came along with a, 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 what was it? I think a three point percentage over 40 percent. So at, at the clip he shot it at about six, six and a half times a game. That's incredible. So a guy that's riding high, who's never really enjoyed that success as a pro over the span of what was it like 25, 30 games? to suddenly now be thrust into a you know, three-month-plus layoff, to now have to pick up where he left off, I think that's going to be hard. 
I mean, I know that he's he's probably going to get the support from teammates. He's not going to have to force the issue right. He's surrounded by so many talented guys. And remember, Pelicans now have J.J. Redick back. So it's not like Lon Corbis anybody. There's nobody playing better. And I, for me, I don't know, Danny, if you followed him closely, but mm-hmm. once the season started to when it was suspended, I don't think a player showed more improvement across the entire league than Lonzo did. So he's got everything to lose. Yeah, right. I'm I'm vehemently anti-Lonzo, and I have been for a long time, but he his play towards the stretch of the, the season before it got canceled made me open my eyes a little bit. I never questioned the defense or the playmaking ability. I looked at him like Sean Livingston with a better hype man. That was how I always looked at him. And that shot, I mean, I, I saw him play live in college, and I, I had never seen a guy in college hyped up more with a shot that bothered me more than his. And he is, he is mm-hmm. taking away that wide, just swooping hook before he shoots. And it's still there a little bit. It still comes across his face, but he's cleaned up his mechanics so much, which, heaven forbid, you have a teammate like J.J. Redick who has a book on shooting. Uh, you better damn well clean it up a little bit. Um, but allowing him to be the guy with Zion, like optimally, if you have him and Zion and you have three plus shooters on the floor, you have problems as an opponent because you have so many physical mismatches. You've got a dynamic playmaker in Lonzo. B.I. is what, 6'9"? He's going to have some sort of mismatch. Zion is literally going to have a mismatch with every player in the league with his strength, save maybe three or four guys in the entire league. And that's on a nightly basis. And you you start adding the fact that he can knock down a shot realistically. And, and it, he's a guy who it's, it's kind of strange because if you go look at every game he's ever had against Portland, they are some of the worst production games of any player in, in the modern NBA. I'm, I'm talking the past 25 years. He has had games against Portland where he played, I believe, 32 minutes. And the only stats he registered were a couple turnovers and then like two or three assists. I believe it was 0 for 1 from the floor. It was tremendous to see how little impact he had on the game, no matter what he did. And so I, watching him grow from that to what we saw towards the end of this or the, before this season was shut down was pretty impressive. On the flip side for Portland, Gary Trent Jr., second-round draft pick, who was kind of thrust into this because of injuries, he was playing 29 minutes a night in the final 15 games of the season dropping 12 points, shooting 47% from the field, 40% from three on almost uh, five attempts from three a night and might be Portland's best perimeter defender. Uh, and I mean, he came out of nowhere. I, I watched him at Hoop Summit here in Portland before he went to Duke and his biggest question coming out was, can he move laterally? Can he play defense? Can he get after and stay on the floor? The kid could shoot, shot 45% from three in college. Like everybody knew he was, he was a shooter. But his transformation, his growth has been much like Lonzo, where you're like, the skill set that you didn't think he could possess, all of a sudden it it worked its way into, into fruition. And you're just like, that's a hell of a player. That's a guy you want to have on your team. Terrific stuff from Danny Morang. You guys can follow him at Danny Morang. He also uh, hosts for NB, uh, NBC Northwest, as well as Blazers Edge and the Blazers Edge podcast. Of course, we've got Ali Cosell here. Uh, Ali, you wrote an article yesterday. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? Not really. It just said I was startled to find out as many positives as I did when you started digging in deep and looking at what they're going to potentially face in Orlando, the environment. It's going to be no no home court advantage, uh, a lot of sub-500 teams per se, um, and the Pelicans did really well. And I think the biggest key is the fact that I feel like they're going to have less rust. 
I feel like they already play very fast. They don't, you know, they win despite turnovers, so they don't mind the chaos. They're kind of used to it. And, of course, they get a lot of easy buckets, especially since Zion's been back. They get so so often to the free throw line, more than most teams with Zion around. And, of course, they get and uh, get shot attempts from inside the restricted circle more than any other team. So I just feel like that bodes well for all these teams that are going to have to kick it back up, suddenly play playoff-type basketball. That's where others rely on chemistry, long-range shooting more. That, Like I said, I think that's going to help New Orleans. So I kind of concentrated on that. So please check it out. I went into depth on a lot of topics about that. Great stuff. Danny, uh, anything you'd like to tell our listeners? Uh, right now, I'm honestly just working on a few things as we get ready for the season. Um, so it's it's kind of uh, hit and miss if you uh, if you want to talk Blazers. Uh, hop, in the, uh, <laughs> hop in the Twitch stream that I've got going uh, twice a week right now on twitch.tv backslash the moose. And so I do that following games now kind of going forward, just kind of a way to uh, just casually talk hoops when I'm not doing the podcast or not doing the TV show. Awesome stuff. I've got a fun interview uh, that I'll be dropping on thebirdrights.com either tomorrow afternoon or someday around Saturday. So please look for that. Uh, again, if you guys like what you're hearing, go on iTunes, rate us, subscribe to us. We're also on Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, all that stuff. So really appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, if you can, drop that rating, share this podcast, and hey, let's dance and let's go Pels. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage get gig speeds powered by fiber from cox it's internet built for tomorrow today Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.